The following presentation is brought to you through the power of science. Shiny. Welcome to Generations Geek, a more or less family-friendly celebration of all that is geeky. I'm science fiction writer Scott Pearson, and along with my daughter Ella, we are two generations of geek. This is episode 56, All Aboard the Hogwarts Express, a special Harry Potter episode that was recorded while Ella was still in England. Before we get to that, we've got a lot of show news. Ever since we started Generations Geek, we've been available only through the group feed on the venerable Chronic Rift Network. But now you can find us directly via Apple Podcast, Stitcher, Spotify, and SoundCloud. If you enjoy the show, please subscribe on your venue of choice and leave us a review wherever you can. If you want to support us even more, we now have Ko-Fi and Patreon pages. If you like our free-to-listen geekery, please consider sliding us a little of your hard-earned money, which will help us offset hosting fees and upgrade the software and hardware needed for the podcast. We will be adding donor-exclusive content to Patreon, including reviews and text and video, show outtakes, and more as we figure out what the heck we're doing. Remember, you can find us online at generationsgeek.com, including blog posts from me, and on Instagram, featuring Ella's geeky adventures. Now, on with the show. Skyping in from London. Hello. It's me. (laughs) (laughs) This is my podcast, too. (laughs) (laughs) You've been able to really Harry Potter it up while you've been over there. The past two weeks have been a whirlwind. Before we get into the whirlwind, let's go back to your Harry Potter-related adventures in Edinburgh. Yes. Joe wrote the first book in Edinburgh at the Elephant Cafe, which I went to and saw. No brag, (laughs) but I looked at the table where she used to sit. (laughs) (laughs) And now their window says, like, birthplace of Harry Potter. And there's just constantly, like, 23-year-old girls in there just, like, eating. Like, oh, my God. (laughs) This is where she was. Um, and then there's also this graveyard in Edinburgh mm-hmm. um, where Joe liked to walk around and get name ideas from um, the gravestones. So, like, we saw one that said McGonagall. Oh, interesting. Um, the most famous one is there. there's one that says, like, there, Tom Riddle's grave is there. Mm-hmm. It's a little, I think his, for his first name isn't exactly, like, Tom or Thomas. Maybe Riddle is spelled differently. Like it's, I didn't take a picture because I felt kind of weird. Yeah, in a cemetery. <laughs> because, like, I don't know what the... <laughs> like, obviously the dude, it's like a... The gravestone is like a couple hundred years old. But I'm yeah. also just kind of like, I feel a little weird taking it because it's like... <laughs> so I didn't take a picture. But, yeah, it was really fun. It was sort of, like, hidden. So we were walking around. And um, everyone in Scotland is so nice. Not that people in England aren't nice. But, like, people in England are more, like... Minnesotans where they can be like a little passive but then also like London is kind of like New York so it's like this weird uncomfortable combo (laughs) um but in Scotland everybody was like so nice to me and my friend Hannah and um I had a fantastic time um and there's also everyone's your neighbor in Scotland yes (laughs) you know just like Um, the the nice neighbor across the street (laughs) (laughs) there's also this sort of curvy block in edinburgh that everyone says is the inspiration for uh diagon alley Mm. 
Um, and there's these sort of like bright, like colorful shops and it like curves and it's really sweet. And then, um, now of course, almost there's like four shops on the block. They're all just unlicensed Harry Potter shops that are like (laughs) the magic boy. (laughs) And I was like, but they sell licensed Harry Potter merch. So Mm -hmm. like, I don't know what the, but like all the shops have these uncomfortable names (laughs) where you're like, okay, so... (laughs) But they're so cute because they're those little skinny, like, UK houses that have, like, those really tiny staircases, but they're, yep. like, three floors high. Yep. And then the entire place is just filled, like, wall-to-wall, exactly how Diagon Alley is, like, in the movies where the, the stores are just packed full of stuff. They make it just like that. And Hannah was like, Ella, don't buy that 40-pound scarf. Like, <laughs> don't do it. And I was like, but Hannah, we're in Diagon Alley. And she was like, don't do it. <laughs> You can't not be inspired by the architecture oh and the atmosphere over there. It's just so, I think particularly for Americans. Well, especially as like a history student, like Hannah is not a history student. And I'm very much like the history major. Yeah. And so I would just be like, um, can you believe that the person like who lived in this house had a hand in creating like the first form of anesthesia or like whatever? And <laughs> she's like... Yeah. (laughs) Or I'm like, can you believe that this gravestone is like 400 years old? Let's find the oldest one. And she's like, hello, we're in a huge graveyard and it's getting dark. It's time to go. (laughs) Ember is so beautiful. And it's so, it's very Harry Potter-esque. And like, it's very magical is what it is. Before we move on, wasn't on this, uh, on on your Scottish adventure, that's when you came across some... Uh, a TARDIS or two. Oh yeah, in Glasgow. Yeah, they're everywhere in Glasgow. <laughs> I actually, I took a picture of like this very excited nerd. Like me and Hannah were sort of standing by at TARDIS waiting for these other two girls to take a picture. And then um, I made Hannah take a picture of me to send to you. Cause mm-hmm. I was like, my dad's going to freak out. And Hannah was like, okay, I don't know what this is. <laughs> <laughs> and there was this dude who sort of was like by himself and like taking a picture of the TARDIS, but mm-hmm. looking very, like, he was holding himself back. And so I was like, do you want me to take a picture of you? And he was like, oh, my God, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, anytime, girl. Like, I love taking pictures of strangers. <laughs> <laughs> so you had a little introduction there to Rowling's inspirations. Yeah, because I hadn't really done anything Harry Potter related in London even before mm-hmm. that. Like, I don't think it was until you guys were here that I actually saw, like, Platform Nine and Three Quarters. Yeah, that was fun. So yeah, we haven't talked about this on the show at all. We, Ella's parents, that is, visited her in London. And so it was a Generations Geek reunion. People who mm-hmm. follow us on social media will have seen various photos. But, yeah, follow uh, our Instagram, please. I post at least once every three weeks. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, one of the things we did do was visit Platform 9 and 3 quarters Uh at which I forgot to get a picture taken of myself at the platform because I was so busy <laughs> having fun taking pictures of you and your mom. Um, well, and it's also just fun because they do, like, um, I made you take my picture after they took the whole, like, kitten caboodle away because I was like, I don't want to be part of that. Like, I hate posing for pictures already. We don't need to complicate it. Yeah. But they do, like, this whole situation where you, like, line up to take your picture, but they have, like... um a cart that, I mean, everyone's seen the pictures, like, online, but it, so it looks like you're going through the wall. Yeah, it's half a um, cart, so it looks and like then, yeah. Yeah, and then somebody, and then they give you, like, a wand to hold, and they give you, like, your house scarf, and somebody 
like two 20 year olds stand outside all day one taking the pictures and one throwing half of your scarf in the air so it looks like you're moving i want to be a scarf thrower in the (laughs) when i grow up just they do a great job though all day they do and they keep like they keep the energy up like it's very sweet and everything and i i'm really all for like kitschy tourism because like just have fun you don't need to be salty about it but like i just can't that's that's what i was impressed by because we were there at the end of the day at the end so it's like nine o'clock or it was like ten o'clock yeah and And those girls were they're still all smiling and all just like totally jazzed to be doing their harry potter well that's the best like that's what it's like at like the studios too it's like they just hire a bunch of freaking harry potter nerds and then they're just happy all day because they're like what house are you in here's your scarf like ready (laughs) (laughs) well why don't we move on to that then the uh, studio tour explain what that is for the peoples okay so it's different from harry potter world it's not like a theme park there's no rides but it's like depending on how you get there it's basically sort of like a suburb of london so it's in watford um and it's basically just like they turned the lot the studios like there's two big sound stages where they actually filmed like a lot of the movies there mm-hmm. um and then there's also just like more rooms and exhibits and stuff and bigger like what they uh like rebuilt like hagrid's hut or like they have like a lot of the sets sort of, like, in there, or, like, rebuilt, like, they just added Grand Goths, which we can get into, um, so it's a little bit of a hike outside of London, like, because London, Euston is where all the trains leave from, which is funny, because I read that when Joe was writing Harry Potter, and she said, like, oh, the wall between platforms 9 and 10, um, she was actually thinking of London, Euston, but she was living in, like, Manchester, so she couldn't check, but so all the, the trains leave, so actually, I left from, like, platform 9, Oh, <laughs> at London, Houston, when I went there, and I was like, "Uh huh." <laughs> you get there, and the first the first time I went, I've been twice now. Um, it was like a little bit under construction because they were still adding Gringotts. They do like this whole thing to like pump you up, which I'm gonna be like spoil if you're if you're gonna go to the studios soon. Skip this part because spoilers. I'm not gonna talk <laughs> about. There's a part at the beginning that. Um, I feel like they really like to keep a secret because they're like, don't turn your phones on. No pictures, uh, yeah. videos. So I'm not going to talk about that out of respect for Warner Brothers. Good. Okay. Um, <laughs> but then um, basically the first thing that you get to see is the Great Hall. And they have um, two tables on either side. So obviously it's not the full thing, but they have like everything set up the same way it was. And that is the actual, that's been there since the beginning because the Great Hall, since they, they like, that was one of the sets, obviously one of the first ones they built and what was going to have to stay for the entire series of movies. Yeah. And that they famously built the floor out of real stone because they knew that that would be the only thing that would hold up for 10 years (laughs) (laughs) under like 400 kids, uh, like extras feet. So, uh, that's one of the ones that's like the original has been there forever. It's just, it's so cool. And they have, um, the professor's costumes at the front. So they have like every professor, including Mad-Eye Moody, excluding, Slughorn, I don't think Quarrel's up there. They have they have the big ones, and they have Dumbledore in the middle, obviously, and they have Hagrid, and then they have um, off to the side they have Daniel Radcliffe's first set of robes that he wore in the first movie as Harry, and they have Neville's costume from the last movie, 
when you say you're in the great hall, do you actually get to walk like between the tables so you get that sense that you're in that space or are you sort of on the outside? Yeah, looking... because, because I mean, they're like in the movies, there's four tables right for each house. Yeah. So the two middle tables are taken out to make room for people to walk through. Okay. But there's tables on one on either side. So there's two tables. You're in the freaking great hall. The yeah. fire's going like it's crazy. Like all the, the tables are set like they are in the movies. Oh, nice. So there's like plates and silver out and stuff. Sets are always much smaller in person. Yeah. You know, and you kind of feel it. And then, and then especially since they did CGI for the ceiling, yeah. like it only goes up so far and then it's like studio lights, but it's still the great hall. And I, I did a lot of like, both times I was there, I was doing like, I was like, where can I strategically look to like really make it seem like I'm in the great, you know what I mean? Cause if you yeah. like, look like, I'm like, Oh, if I like put my hand up here, so I don't see the blue of the lights, and I kind of lean, and then I'm just, you're just in it. <laughs> yeah. It's like when we've gone on the Star Trek set tour. Exactly. And you're you like. Know, as long as you don't <laughs> look up. Yeah. You know. Cast yeah. your eyes downward, and you're just on the bridge, um, ready to cry. So then from the Great Hall, you go on to the first big soundstage, which, um, like I said, I've been twice. The first time I went there was with my friend Hannah, and I'm so happy that she was there with me because... It is so overwhelming because once you get into that soundstage, there's like a million things to look at. Yeah. Like that first sound straight stage is like part of the ministry set. They have the Gryffindor common room. They have the boys dormitory. Mm -hmm. They have the potions classroom. They have Hagrid's hut. Like, <laughs> like everything. Like they have so much stuff in there. And I was like losing my mind. And so my friend Hannah was like, okay, let's start over here. And we're just going to walk around. Like, <laughs> don't start running because I'm really just like a 12 year old boy at heart. And I was just like vibrating. Like, um, oh my God, the potions classroom is another one that's really cool because that one is one that you can really, it's like you almost are like all the way inside of it. And that one has like a ceiling. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it's like roped off, obviously, but it's like an indent. And so you walk in and they have like um, the props running, like this, the, like the stuff, like the cauldrons that stir themselves and stuff. Yeah. It's, so those are like smoking and everything and like lighting up. And so you get in there and nice. it's like you're in it. And they have all the like ingredients set up and like textbooks out. So cute. And they have another one of Snape's costumes in there. And they have Slughorn's costume as well. Um, they have a section in that soundstage where you can get a video or a picture of yourself flying on a broomstick. They have 15 green screen cubes that you can go in and get on a broomstick. And they give you a robe. Nice. And it's so cute because it, it's like... It's just like 15, 10 year olds. Yeah. And then you can look at these TVs and it looks like they do yeah. like green screen. So it's like, oh, they're flying in front of the night bus or like over the Thames. And it's like <laughs> so cute. <laughs> and you didn't do it? Well, no, because I was trying to save my money. And also, like, I wasn't quite there where it's like a 15, 10 year old and then me. Like, I didn't really want to. <laughs> um, Oh, it's so sweet, though. And then, um, or they have a section where they have a broom that they control it to go up and down. So, like, in the first movie, during the, when they have their first flying lesson mm -hmm. to get the brooms up, they, you put your hand out and you go up, and the broom, like, goes in your hand. And so you can oh, take yeah. a video of yourself doing that. Oh, nice. Yeah, they have, what else do they have in there? They have, um, one of, ha they have Hagrid's motorcycle, one of them. They have, um, 
one of the Flying Fort Anglias. I mean, it's everything. They have Tom Riddle's grave. They have Umbridge's office. They have that creepy statue when the ministry is like the dark ministry. And they have like that statue of all the muggles holding the wizards up. And then right next to that is like the wand choreography station where like little kids all go and stand in front of like mirrors and watch like a video and they learn how to like like wand choreography from the movies <laughs> and it, that's so cute <laughs> are we still talking just about the first this is the first soundstage this okay. is the first thing you see after the great hall so we're all still um, just in the first soundstage okay yeah and then to get from that to the next bit you walk through the forbidden forest Oh, cool. So they have like this thing where it's like a big gate and like Hagrid is standing, not, I mean, like one of Hagrid's costumes is standing there with like a lantern mm -hmm. and um, you walk in and the first thing you see is one of the centaurs. I don't remember which one it is. I think it, it's definitely not Ferenz. It might be Bane. What's the other one that's named? I don't remember. Anyways. um, And there's like, you can flip a switch for it to be like daylighting or nighttime lighting mm -hmm. and it's all like foggy and weird. And then they have one of the Buckbeaks there, which... Buckbeak, the first time I was there, Buckbeak was my favorite thing to see because in the movie, it looks like they put, like, a green screen leotard on, like, a dog or something mm -hmm. and put it in the movie. Because, I mean, I'm not saying it looks bad. Like, obviously, it looks fantastic. But, it like, the animatronic Buckbeaks they have there mm -hmm. are insane. <laughs> like, they are so cool and real looking and the one of the forbidden forest kind of stands there and like looks around and then he'll kind of like put his head down mm -hmm. and um like you're supposed to bow to hippogriffs and so like me and hannah were like taking pictures of us like bowing to buckbeak <laughs> and him like, bowing back like oh my god it's so cool and then a little bit farther in you see the like they have a bit where like spiders will come down i was gonna ask if they had spiders in some way oh yeah oh yeah they have like eight and there's like spider webs and then there's like lightning and like thunder and like wind and like fog and then they'll all come down from the ceiling and then there's one they have like aragog and he's kind of in the dark and then when that happens he like comes forward and is like he has he's like kind of like clicking um his uh pinchers mm -hmm. it's amazing <laughs> it is so 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 cool so they have all that stuff obviously but they also have a lot of you really like learn about it like at the end of the forbidden forest there's like a thing where like they show you how they, like, painted the trees to look so real. You know what I just remembered? Is that I saw another Harry Potter thing in Scotland where in one of the movies they moved Hagrid's, they wanted to shoot on location for the Forbidden Forest scenes, and they did that outside of Glencoe. I believe it was outside of Glencoe in Scotland. And I went on, like, this bus tour, and our um, guide, who was this... <laughs> adorable, uh, neighborly, old Scottish man, mm -hmm. was like... And right over there is, like, the Forbidden Forest. And I looked at Hannah, and she was like, uh-huh. Like, that's true. And so I, I saw that, which was crazy, because I was looking at it, and I was like, that looks exact. Like, that is it. That looks exact. That's from the movie. Like, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. And they, ha they have lots of stuff that, like, shows you practical effects in Harry Potter. Lots of, like, creepy, like, plaster stuff. So they'll be like, okay, so here's, like, the mold for the goblin's head. And here's how it looks at first. And then here's we'll paint it, and we add all this stuff to it. Like Nice. So not only do you get to experience the world of Harry Potter, like you're there in some with some of the sets, but then you also get cool movie-making stuff. Yeah. So for someone like yourself, who's into movies, not just watching them, but, you know, more into the behind-the-scenes stuff. Yeah. The other behind-the-scenes thing that I didn't know anything about 
was that when they shot the scenes of, I think it was, I think it's Snape's Patronus, but they probably did the same trick again for Harry's later because they're deer, right? Yeah. They literally just put a bunch of lights on this gigantic deer hound and shot it walking through the woods. Oh, okay. And then they like CGI'd the Patronus over it. Yeah. So in the Forbidden Forest, they have a model of a, of the dog with the like suit on and they they call oh. it like a, a the glow beast or something <laughs> but it's so cute it's literally just like a harness and it has a bunch of big led huge chunky lights on it and it like that was so cool to me now i'm gonna go back and say another bit about that first soundstage and another one of the big sets they have there is the kitchen of the burrow the weasley house oh okay where they have that shot in the movies of a pan cleaning itself and like carrot, like a knife chopping carrots by itself and like something knitting itself. Yeah. And all that stuff. And they have these three stations where you go and it's like wave your hand here to like chop the carrots and you can like wave your hand mm -hmm. and like the knife goes up and down. Stunning <laughs> to say the least. <laughs> <laughs> and that one is also pretty, it's one of those things where you can kind of like, if you lean forward a little bit, mm -hmm. it's like your peripheral is cut off and you're just like in the burrow. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's so good. And then after the soundstage, after the Forbidden Forest is the, uh, it's platform nine and three quarters. So you walk onto the platform, they have the train, the real train and like a carriage. And so the whole thing is set up to look like a train station, obviously. Um, and like every like two minutes, the train like whistles and a bunch of smoke comes out. It's so gorgeous. And then they have the carriage you can go up into and like walk through. Mm -hmm. And that is so, <laughs> that is so great. That is like so trippy because there's just so many scenes like on the carriage. Yeah. Literally of the Hogwarts Express. And so when you get inside of it, it's like, you, it's like, I know how the, like, window seals look. I know how the doors yeah. look. And then you're, I, you're like, I was trying so hard not to be weird because it's like you can just touch it. You know what I mean? And so yeah. I was in there. And mm -hmm. both times I was in there, I was just, like, touching weird things, like the windows and the door handles <laughs> and, like, the walls. Because it's just, like, you're in there. And they have each compartment set up, like, one of the movies. So the first one looks like the Sorcerer's Stone has, like, candy and stuff in it. And then it'll be, like... The Chamber of Secrets, and, like, one has, like, chocolate in it, because it's, like, the Dementors, and then one has, like, no, but, and so it's, like, every movie, and then, like, one, I think it's, God, is it Order of the Phoenix when Ron dates Lavender? I think so, and there's a scene in the movie where she, like, goes up to the window of their compartment and, like, fogs it up and then, like, draws, like, a heart with, like, L plus R in it, and Ron's like, haha, okay, <laughs> which is an iconic scene. And they have, I don't know what they use to make it, but they have it in the glass. So it's yeah. like, oh, my God, L plus R. <laughs> um, so crazy. And then that's another one of the green screen things. The, the green screen is the window, but you go into, like, the compartment mm -hmm. with your, like, you can go with, like, your friends, and, like, take pictures with, like, whatever background you, like, want, you know, because yeah. you can do, like, the demonstrators, like, just, like, grass or whatever. That's always, like, older kids all, like, piled in, like, a bunch yeah. of eighth graders just like, ah! <laughs> <laughs> But I was like, oh, my God, I would murder for this to be, like, my field trip with my school. Like, me and, like, my, like, eighth grade, like, girl squad just, like, sitting in. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. 
after platform nine and three quarters is the part sort of like the break in the tour because they have like a cafe in the middle of things called the backlot cafe and they say it's like oh it's like it's about halfway it's not halfway or at least well especially the first time i went it was like i was like oh my god that was only halfway through and then we were done with the stuff on the other side of the cafe with way less time and i was so sad that it was over (laughs) But now that um, the Gringotts expansion is really, really big, but it's still like that first soundstage takes up so much time. And then you get to the Backlot Cafe and that's where you can have butterbeer. Butterbeer is like, like I want the magic to stay alive, but I think it's A&W cream soda with melted ice cream on top to make the foam. (laughs) And I think they I think they might add like butterscotch syrup or something to it because it's really sweet. I have a sweet tooth and so I'm like fine having <laughs> sweet things, but um everyone else and this is this is what all the travel blogs say too. So they're all like if you read anything ahead of time, they're like the backlot cafe is littered with a half full cups of butterbeer because no one wants to finish them. And it's because and they do have they have like a bin that's like liquid waste because everyone's like pouring their butterbeer out, but it's like <laughs> Even though they give you like, even though they give you like a small serving, it's not like a full glass. It's like a little bit, and people still are just like, no. Um, that is, that just seems weird to me. That it, because if I were running some sort of food establishment, and uh-huh. you and you saw your patrons dumping out so much stuff, you'd think that you would well, say, "We got to tweak this recipe." We got to change the recipe. I think it's because, like, you can't really make it less sweet. It's soda, you know what I mean? Like, it's a creamy, butterscotchy soda, and that just in itself is going to be really sweet. Yeah. I don't know. Like, I recommend it. I just, like, maybe split one, save you money. Outside the Backlot Cafe, you go, like, outdoors, and they have the night bus, and they have Privet Drive, and they have Carrie's parents' place from Godric's Hollow. Mm -hmm. They have the Hogwarts Bridge. And they have a Ford Anglia and um, Hagrid's bike. And those, you, you can get inside of the Ford Anglia and take pictures. And you can get on top of Hagrid's bike there and take pictures. Nice. The night bus, you can, like, stand and You can't go all the way in, but you can stand in, like, the back. They made that bus out of three Victorian double-deckers and mm-hmm. painted it purple. And it was so heavy, they had to put four tons of extra weight in the bottom so it wouldn't tip over. <laughs> Isn't that crazy? Yes. Because it's so much taller than the regular double-decker, when they were filming the scenes of it on the streets of London, they had to map out a special route to take so that they wouldn't go under anything that was too low. Yeah. Which I didn't know they actually filmed with it on literally on the streets, but they did. Like over eight nights, Mm -hmm. they would shut down streets and just have that huge freaking purple thing. (laughs) out there um privet drive you can go inside you basically just walk through and there's some funny stuff on the wall there's a thing like a certificate from dudley's elementary school that's like it says a certificate for dudley like for always finishing his meal and it's like classic (laughs) and then the like living room is set up so that it's like the scene where like a million of the hogwarts letters come through the chimney so they're all like floating in there yeah and you kind of walk out the back they don't have the cupboard under the stairs open but um now after the remodel actually you see it at that's one of the things you see at the beginning as you're like sort of in line to get let in so you do get to see it and then harry's 
Heron's Place from Godric's Hollow is just like the outside and then it's blown up on top. Oh, and then the Privet Drive one, they show you how they make like bricks look real. Like they show at the, on the back of the house, they show you like step one, like mold or whatever. And like one of the steps is like randomized. So like some of the bricks you paint like half more red than the other one. It's just like, it's just like very cool. And then after that is where you get into more of the, you go back inside, it's more of the practical stuff. So like, but I don't want to skip over the bridge because the bridge is so nice because you can like get up on it and like walk across it. And that's really cute because that's one of the things where if you sort of like are looking at, if you like can suspend the sound of like French school children playing in the background, (laughs) which both times I went, by the way, there was like a lot of like French students on a field trip. (laughs) Yeah. Because you take the Eurostar right in from Paris. But uh, it's that's so uh, it's so fun to just be able to like walk up that. And then um, you go back inside and it's more practical effects. So they have everything they have. the I think it's called the in the in fairy, the in fairy, the like zombies that go after Harry and Dumbledore and half blood prince, um, like the molds of them. And then inside of there is where they really show you like how stuff like works so like they'll have that creepy Voldemort fetus from Harry's death sequence uh-huh. but then they ha- they'll have another one where you can see like the inside of it like the wires and stuff and so you can see how like it moving and how it works and like the werewolves and stuff and they have one of what pulls the carriages this just is really a sign that I need to reread Harry Potter and so now they have this big Gringotts expansion so after all of those practical effects stuff with the electronics, that's where the Gringotts exhibit starts. So it starts with goblin heads. Like they have like these cases full of like the latex like masks mm-hmm. that the actors wore. And then they have all of Warwick Davis's costumes and like heads that he wore because he was in all eight of them. Yep. As different people. Before you actually get into Gringotts, they show you like a bunch of the paper models they made of it. Because first it was just the outside of it that you saw in Diagon Alley. They have that big hall with all of the goblin tellers like stamping stuff and the one really old one at the end. And they have like the chandeliers and the like marble floors. It is amazing. (laughs) And nothing is moving in there. Like I think at Harry Potter World, the goblins and Gringotts are animatronic and they move a little bit. Yeah. They don't move there, but it's so, so, so stunning. And then from there, from that big hall, you then go to the underground part. So you see, like, the vault cart that they ride in in the first movie. And then um, that's where you see the door with the Philosopher's Stone. That door that has that lock, it has, like, a million moving parts on it. Oh, yeah. And they all move starting at the bottom. That practical effect, that door is there. And it does all that in front of your eyes. Wow. And I don't I know why I'm that so was shocked. CGI. Exactly. Because it's so I intricate. Know, I don't know. It's so intricate. It's such a simple thing. It's just like a friggin' it's a door that unlocks, you know, like whatever. But it is so crazy to see that with your eyeballs. <laughs> <laughs> and they have this big sort of arching doorway that looks like the stone from when they're walking around underneath it and like underground. And then they have this really big exhibit on the Lestrange vault and how they did that. And I think that is in Deathly Hollows part one, where they go to get 
a Horcrux from the Lestrange vault because mm-hmm. there's lots of gold objects in there. Yeah. And then so Harry, Ron, and Hermione are like wading through them and then they're like multiplying but all of those were like rubber and they have the like molds there that you can look at so they're like molded rubber and then painted to look gold and then they have Harry, Ron, and Hermione like mannequins with their costumes on from the movie in there like half buried in the gold and then that's where if you kind of like lean in, you can sort of like, it's like you're in the Lestrange vault. It's so cool. There's a bit in the movie where Harry uses the sword to get the Horcrux from like on top. And so there's a couple of areas where you can go and take your picture. Like you're, so they have like this sword and the cup attached to like the wall. So you can go and grab the handle mm-hmm. and like stand on your tiptoes. And then like the, from where you take the picture, can make it look like you're kind of like half in the treasure Mm -hmm. it's so cute i mean while you're in there you're hearing these noises from the next room over and i was just like don't think about it because i'm not even gonna think about what it's gonna be because i want to be surprised so you go in the next room and in the deathly hollows (laughs) there's the scene where they release the dragon and it like destroys gringotts and breaks out and so you walk into the next room and it's that same first hall but it's the destroyed set. Oh, cool. And then there's a screen at the back where the screen looks very three-dimensional, mm-hmm. even though it's not. It's like a projection. And so you're in there, and then you hear, like, these noises, and then there's a dragon on the screen, and then it starts, like, blowing, like, fire everywhere, and then, like, smoke comes up. <laughs> oh, I nice. mean, it's mind-blowing. And then... From there is when you finally walk out from Gringotts. So, like, you en- it's really cute because you enter Diagon Alley, like, right where the Gringotts entrance is, not actually through it. So you walk out of Gringotts, and then you're looking at the Gringotts entrance. And then the Diagon Alley set is also so, so cute because it's all the shops, including it's a later Diagon Alley set has Weasley's Wizard Wheezes and all the usual shops. I really loved That was one of the ones that I really loved because, it's again, it's like a stone floor. It's a cobblestone floor. Yeah. And all the like shop fronts are just like filled. <laughs> it's just like it's so amazing. Um and then after Dragon Alley, they have a million of the paper and wood models they made of like stuff. So they have the Bobaton's carriage or they have Hogwarts or like the Love Good House or like the Daily Prophet printing press. And they have just all of the models they made of them before building them or like CGIing them or whatever. And that's so cool because they're so like intricate. After that is where they make you cry because you walk from there into the room where they have the Hogwarts, the actual Hogwarts miniature that they used for all the shots of the castle. And so when I say miniature, you're thinking small, but you need to think (laughs) about 30 times bigger. (laughs) It's so huge. And they play the themes, like they play music in that room and the lighting changes from like day to night. They have these screens where you can look at it, like zoom in on it from all different angles. And the audio guide like tells you how much they had to change and expand the miniature for like every single movie. They had to add more because as books came out, Joe expanded the canon of the castle, obviously. Oh, uh uh-huh. And so they just had to keep building stuff onto it. And then the bridge was in the books. They created the bridge. And so you start off high and you walk in a circle around and down to like the floor and because that's down by like the lake where Mm -hmm. the first years land yeah it is so stunning and i sat there for so long my second time i just sat there like listening i was like okay well i'm just gonna sit here and stare at hogwarts and listen to like every single second of the audio guide before i force myself to leave (laughs) yeah um it's so gorgeous and then they spit you right out into the gift shop baby (laughs) (laughs) no salt 
But the gift shop leaves something to be desired as somebody who really loves a good gift shop. Weird. All I'm saying is all the t-shirts are ugly, so be prepared for that. (laughs) (laughs) It's like mind-blowing is what it is. And it's cute because obviously you were older when the Harry Potter books came out. But I feel like for millennials and Gen Z, Harry Potter is like so nostalgic. Yeah. And so it's like you get there. It's like how I feel when I go back and I reread, when I, when I start rereading the books. Um, and I'm trying to, maybe I like know the line. The Dursleys of number four Perfect Drive were very normal. Thank you very much or something. <laughs> yeah. And it's just like, oh my God, I just love it so much. It was so much fun. It's so beautiful. <laughs> There's this whole generation now that grew up reading the books. Yeah, exactly. So for me, Star Trek, the original series, Yeah. I started watching that when I was in grade school. So even though that had a, a more limited, you know, you only had the three seasons or whatever that you were watching over and over. Nevertheless, while I grew up, I was experiencing those over and over. And for you, something like Harry Potter, you were experiencing those as you grew up. It's so crazy. Of course, I was playing you Star Trek while you were growing up, too. But Yeah, I was going to say, I, it's like, I grew up with Star Trek, but it's a little, it's different when it's happening in front of you. Exactly. When you have to wait for the next book. Exactly. Well, and, and as like, they grew in popularity, so that you had that yeah, the, sense the, of... Yeah, the, like, Beatlemania yeah, the type community thing. That, that you were waiting along with all your friends and all sorts of people all over the world for that next book. Oh my god, I remember when the Deathly Hollows came out and I went with my like elementary school friends to buy this is true, right? I know this isn't something I made up in my head. <laughs> I was at Meg's house. We like the squad mm-hmm. went and got the book and we went back to my friend's house and we sat up reading it until we literally like I remember we all fell asleep like where we were sitting because we were so determined. <laughs> Like, I remember I was sitting up. I think it was one of the first times I slept, like, all night sitting up because we were just glued to the book. <laughs> just all of us sitting. It must have been the best sleepover ever for my friend's mom because we were just silent for, like, nine hours. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so obviously the studio tour was super cool. You would recommend it to anyone. It was great. I mean, it was so great that you went back twice. But that's not the end of your Harry Potter adventures yet. No! (laughs) (laughs) Harry Potter and the Cursed Child has been playing in London for like three years now. And uh, tickets are very expensive. And so I was on the fence about whether or not to go because I was like, should I spend between $150 and $200 for really bad seats? (laughs) (laughs) Or should I literally like take a trip to Paris for the same amount of money? Like, (laughs) but I found out that they do this cheap ticket lottery where you, it's called the Friday 40, where like the tickets are 40 pounds, 20 pounds for each part because they charge you for both part one and part two, even though it's one play. (laughs) Um, everything's, everything's fine. I'm not mad, but they charge you for both parts. Um, I want to support it theater and these actors but i'm anyways (laughs) Um, that's a weird that's a weird strategy it's not like well it's very long both parts are like over two hours oh so maybe they do it that way because they think some people are going to go to part one one night and part two a different night instead of just going to both parts in a row well i haven't well they do it where you can either see it all in one day or you can do it like a Wednesday night and then the following Thursday night. But you still have to pay for both parts. I don't really, anyways, it's fine. We don't have to talk about it. But like, uh. <laughs> um, <laughs> but anyways, there's a Friday 40, so you can pay 20 pounds for each part. 
40 pounds for all of it, which is cheaper than even the worst balcony seats. Yeah. And so last week I was like, okay, well, I'm going to put my name in for two tickets and see what happens. It was so funny because I'd like to think I'm sort of in the theater nerd space on the internet. Not like, obviously not enough to the point where I was like, oh, it's probably like a a lottery. But they send out these emails on whether or not you won the lottery between one and five. And if you don't, if you win and you don't buy the tickets within an hour, they send them to somebody else. Oh, yikes. And so me and Hannah were out at um, Kew Gardens, which is beautiful. That's a whole other thing. But it's just this massive green space at the very end of the district line. That's beautiful. That's a different thing. But so we're there, and I'm like, I need to check my email like every half hour (laughs) between one and five. I go to check my email at like two o'clock, and this is the first time that I've entered the lottery and I didn't expect to win. And guess what? I won two tickets for the last day that Hannah was here. And so we're like frantically like trying to buy the tickets like on my phone in the middle yeah. of like <laughs> the forest. But we got them. We didn't know where we were sitting until day of we got there. We went to the box office to pick up my tickets. And she gave us tickets and I looked at them and it said stalls double A nine and ten. And I was like, well, that sounds so promising (laughs) and so basically my first try at the lottery not only did i win but i got two front row tickets to curse child (laughs) and i'm still freaking out about it because i've never been first row for anything we're doing a different episode on my other theater escapades the first time i was ever even close to a such a big play with like celebrities on stages i was third row for betrayal at the pinter which weekend i won't even i won't even talk about the star because that's that's a whole other thing it's tom hiddleston but check in with us later (laughs) um and so we're front row and i hadn't read the cursed child since it came out and so and hannah had never read it and so it was like almost the whole thing was a surprise for me and it was all new for hannah they have, like, this hashtag called Keep the Secrets, and so I don't think they really want you to talk about it, but, like, we're going to talk about it a little bit mm-hmm. because it's mind-blowing. And I remember when it first opened, I read a lot of the articles that were, like, you know, this is the best practical effects in theater ever because there's all these cra- – obviously, it's, like, magic. There's all these crazy scenes. It is just <laughs> – it is so – crazy and they do such a good job it has the feel of harry potter like you're like this is harry potter yeah and i was talking with hannah about how cinematic it was like the way the plot is laid out and even the two parts thing like it's very movie like yeah it feels like you're watching two movies because there's a cliffhanger a big reveal and cliffhanger at the end of part one which is obviously then resolved in part two and hannah said something that i thought was so interesting and she said Yeah, that's because everyone going to see Harry Potter and the Cursed Child isn't necessarily a theater person. They know everyone in the audience is going to be a Harry Potter person. They don't know that everyone's going to be a theater person. So they made it specifically for that audience. Yeah, cool. Yeah, it's just crazy. Again, like I said with the studio, if you think that you're going to go see Cursed Child anytime soon, I'm going to talk about a few spoilers. No one sue me. But, I mean, the script was published for years, so is there stuff different in the stage show? It's not different, but there's some effect, There's some surprises. Hmm. So I want to talk about them because I want to I talk about how impressive it is. Well, here's the thing. I have a thing about theater being elitist. <laughs> because of ticket prices, you mean? Ticket prices and how inaccessible Broadway is, and it's like, if you are a lower middle class person who lives, let's say you live 
in, on the other, you live in like Sacramento, it isn't feasible to go to New York for one thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's like yeah. if you live on the East Coast, you can take a train to New York. It's easier. Maybe this, this is a me thing. But I've been thinking about theater being elitist, and so I'm going to talk about it for the people who can't see it, you know? Yeah. They'll like, keep the secrets, but it's like, okay, well, what if you can't afford to go see it and you want to know what the secrets are? <laughs> I've written a paper about this because I'm a film student. Anyways, <laughs> spoilers ahead. If you don't want to hear them, go away. <laughs> so it's at least four and a half hours. There's lots of stuff going on. Obviously, it's a Harry Potter play. There's tons of magic involved. There's a lot of insanely speedy costume changes. Mm -hmm. And that's including costume changes where the actor is soaking wet because there's scenes in the lake. Oh, okay. There's a scene where they're coming out of the lake. The scene opens up. And meanwhile, so we're on the front row. We can't see the floor because we're so close. And we were so close, we couldn't even see the floor. (laughs) (laughs) And... The dude playing Scorpius, Draco's son, just like pops up and does, you know, when people, it's like that explosion when people come out of the water and like gasp for breath. Yeah. It was like that on stage. And so he like comes out of nowhere. Like they have this like tank of water underneath the stage. And I have no idea how it works or how they get, I was, I was trying to figure out how they got him in there. Because when you first think about it, you're like, well, he just hops in there. But they never brought the curtain down. Like, I have eyes on the stage the whole time. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which means the only thing I can think of is that they have a tank under there that he's getting, he gets into it, and then they fill it up with water. But then that means that he would have to hold his breath a few seconds. But the top of it is open. They fill it up to the stage level, and he holds his breath for a second, and then he pops up. Anyways. (laughs) (laughs) I have no idea how they do it. There's a scene under the lake. They bring down this thing, like, where the curtain would be, mm-hmm. but it's a giant submarine window, like a like a porthole. Yeah. And then behind it, the actors have on flippers, and they're on wires, so it looks like they're swimming around. Cool. There's a decent amount of wire work, and I have no idea how the Broadway-caliber play works, But the motion is so insanely deliberate and intentional. Like, at no point does it ever look like an actor doing flips on a wire because, like, oh, I'm underwater now. It looks like they're swimming. (laughs) My mind is blown. There's a scene with Dementors, and so you're watching it on screen, and it's, like, scary. There's Dementors coming down. Dementors are scary. We're all scared. And then, so we're in the, again, we're in the front row. So I'm in the front row, and I'm staring at these Dementors because they look amazing. They just, like, descend, and it's stunning. And then there's the feeling. You know when a bird flies over your head, and your brain is like a caveman? Like, there's no thoughts. It's just, like, thing above you. Look at. (laughs) Like, and so I got that feeling and I turn around and there's a Dementor flying above the audience (laughs) and it like flies in and flies around above the stalls and then goes to like every level because there's three levels above Uh the stalls and like flies away and this is a family-friendly podcast, and I'm not going to ask you to bleep me, so I, like, I'm not going to swear, but like that is the craziest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> the motion off that thing was so deliberate and smooth. It never looked like they had like a thing swinging on a wire. It looked like a thing was flying around yeah. in the freaking theater, 
and I was losing my mind the whole time because I didn't know what to like. Do I look at the Dementors on stage sucking out souls or do I look at the Dementor that's about to suck out my soul? <laughs> it was crazy. <laughs> All the actors did such a good job. You never read the script, did you? No. So there's some time travel and some, I'm going to say parallel universe type stuff involved. Mm-hmm. Some trippy time travel stuff. So should I just come out with the spoilers? Because there's some characters that you wouldn't necessarily expect. We've already warned people that there's spoilers involved. Okay, so all the actors are amazing, and I can't imagine what it would be like to step into those roles of adult Harry and adult Hermione and adult Ron. Because I think it would almost be, on some level, it would be easier to step into Scorpius and Albus, because they're the sons, and they're like their own people, and it's like different. Yeah. But to be Draco, to be McGonagall, or because of the crazy time travel parallel universe stuff, to be Snape <laughs> is so crazy. <laughs> like, And they all, oh my God, they all just do such a great job. There's a super haunting scene at the end where they're basically in Godric's Hollow on the night that Harry's parents are killed. Mm-hmm. And that is so weird and scary. And they play sound from the back of the theater so the actors are watching godric's hollow from the stage but looking out across the audience and then they play sounds behind you oh nice i knew that it was going to feel super immersive for me and hannah from the front row (laughs) (laughs) you know it was was just so crazy i felt so spoiled the whole time but for them to make it that immersive for the whole audience made me really happy because i knew that ordinarily i would be sitting at the back or at the top and to have the dementor fly to like every single level and then to have that sound from the back makes it just made it so crazy and they have lots of scenes with the moving staircases and hogwarts Mm -hmm. people are on this going up and down the staircases and they're like pushing the staircases around on stage and there's a part in the center of the stage there's a circle in the center of the stage that like rotates i mean honestly it is just crazy (laughs) when we're talking about films we often talk about practical effects and how much we love practical effects yeah some of the practical things that they can pull off on stage live i mean of course there are times when you're going to be in the audience and something goes horribly awry but for the most part to think of how they do these things night after night after night, sometimes for years when a play is really successful. Mm-hmm. It, it really is astonishing the work that goes into to those practical effects. Yeah, are there scenes where they use polyjuice potion? And those, you can almost see the cracks, but it's also so believable because basically what happens is they drink the polyjuice potion and the actor on stage sort of starts contorting, but then they go inside of their cloak or they have like robes on Uh and then whoever they're turning into like pops out. (laughs) You can kind of tell that stuff is going on underneath. Yeah. But the person bends over and then somebody else stands up yeah. And you can kind of tell that there's more person under the cloak than there should be, almost. Yeah, but it's but still it's like fun. So, and it's, it, yeah. It, and it's also, it is so, still so convincing. Yeah. I've never been to Broadway. I saw my first touring Broadway show just last summer, and even that was just like a musical. Like, I've never seen a play on stage before that needed a lot of practical effects like this, because when you're seeing a musical, you don't need to trick the audience into thinking something is happening that's not happening, you know? Yeah. And then there's, I was literally like tearing up. I was like crying in the audience because there's a scene at the Triwizard Tournament and one of the later scenes, you see Cedric shortly before he grabs the cup with Harry. Mm -hmm. And it's so sad. Yeah. 
even though it's been years and we all know Cedric dies, <laughs> you're just looking at him and it's, oh my God, there he is, our golden Hufflepuff boy. <laughs> well, and there's something extra about seeing it live too when the actor's right there. Yeah, you're right. As opposed to being on film. So that brings another yeah. layer to what's already a very emotional scene. And then we also, we can't talk about the Cursed Child without touching on the fact that in the stage play, Hermione's Black, yeah. which has been such a huge fan had canon for so long i just remember when they casted it for the first time i was so happy and then i got to like see it because obviously almost everyone in harry potter is just like white so to have hermione and her daughter be like black and have natural hair it was just very stunning on stage it was it was so nice to see them yeah i was having a lot of memories of when the book came out and how bookstores were throwing harry potter parties again and how i read it in those first two days and was so happy i know a lot of people didn't like it but i really liked it and it was just like still harry potter and it was so fun it's a very complicated plot even just the base premise of draco and harry's sons become friends and draco and harry hate it that's amazing and hysterical <laughs> And so fun to see play out on stage, especially since Ron and Hermione's daughter, Rose, is a carbon copy of Hermione. Mm -hmm. And so the scene where Albus and Scorpius become friends, she's just kind of, okay, well, I'm going to go now because, <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, she's just so perfect. And then um, the whole like nostalgia thing of now Hermione is Minister for Magic and Harry is head of whatever or defense against something or other. Yeah etc <laughs> um and i know for a lot of people they don't want to see that they just want to have the same they want to have the golden trio as kids in their heads forever and that's fine but to see them on stage as adults there's one bit where Ginny is on stage as well because she marries harry yeah people are always staring at harry and there's a line in the play where Ginny is like everyone stares when you three are together and you realize Harry, Ron, and Hermione are standing together with their arms around each other. And it's just so touching and nostalgic and nice. And I just love <laughs> Harry Potter. <laughs> That's all the time we have for this episode. Tune in next time for episode 57, The Play's the Thing, when Ella tells us about going to the theater to see, live, on stage, a bunch of actors whose names will be familiar to geeks across several fandoms. Charlie Cox, Martin Freeman, Rupert Graves, Tom Hiddleston, Arthur Darvill, and Haley Atwell. Generations Geek was born on the Chronic Rift Network at chronicrift.com and is now branching out into the big scary world beyond. Thanks for listening, and come back next time. No geeks were harmed in the making of this podcast. Ooh, shiny.